Welcome to Everyday Elephants. I am Ted Daring. I am standing in as host this week for Tanner Olson, who is out on vacation. In a minute, I'll be joined by Katie and Phil, and we have a special guest, possibly two, with us today. Everyday Elephants is a podcast that discusses what the world is discussing. We take a close look at the elephants in the room, everything from politics to trends to religion. Together, we look for where there is hope in the midst of change, chaos, and confusion. Welcome to Everyday Elephants. Hey, another hey. episode. Welcome back, Whoa. Katie, Phil. How are y'all doing? Well, first of all, I hope our ratings don't go down. That written to speak is not on the podcast today. I know, but it's, it's going to kill us. I know, he's our moneymaker. Right we got now. the next <laughs> best thing on this podcast, and I want to introduce you all to our guy, our man. His name is Wyatt Baggett. <laughs> you may think that we're really fancy. We know how to like stream stuff. We don't. That's why we call on our boy Wyatt, who's sitting live in a studio room, or maybe not. And uh, he, I'm not, I'm not. He, you decide. He, he's been making this show happen. So Wyatt, dude, thank you for showing your face and uh, all your oh, nifty yeah. moves. Is there like, can we have a fun fact for our listeners? Who are you? Like, what do you like to do? Well, so I like to play video games, like computer games. Okay. Uh, but my fun fact actually is that I have the best girlfriend ever. So. Ooh, smart and wise. Oh, well played. And, and well I hope played. she's watching the stream Get right now. Out. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I don't know. I'll What's find your name, Wyatt? Yeah. Well, Wyatt, we're... Okay. All right. She must be adorable, cute, beautiful, right? All the oh, things? Yeah. All the things. Okay. All the you better say that. <laughs> Waited to that well, up, Phil. Yeah. Well, Wyatt, we are glad that you're on the show with us because you're going to be introducing new things to the show where... Uh, oh, I don't yeah. know if you know this all... Um, a lot of times when people are fact-checking me, it's Wyatt. And so we're going to include him in other ways in the show in the future where he'll continue to fact-check all of my mistakes so that way you all know you're getting the right information. So, Wyatt, good to have you on. Um, Katie, Ted, how are you guys doing? I'm good. Katie, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I had off today for MLK Day, so I am full of energy, and I am not coming from working with 19 students, so I am doing great today. Super great. And also, I just want to say, Wyatt, thank you for all you do. Your finger is always on the pulse, and you keep us up to date because, to be honest, we do not know what's going on in the world. So so thank you, Wyatt, for everything you do. (laughs) Well, thank you for saying that. Well, speaking of MLK Day, I think we're we're going to be talking about that today. So mm-hmm. yeah, so while a lot of people are at home having days off, those kinds of things, we actually are bringing in our friend, Pastor Matt Gonzalez. Matt is a pastor of a congregation in the Bronx, up in New York City, and is a leader of Lutherans for Racial Justice, a grassroots coalition committed to fostering multi-ethnic church and school cultures as they pursue racial equity, justice, and healing within the communities of uh, a church body that Phil and I are part of, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and Wyatt, too. And so uh, we brought Matt on today because we want to hear, we want to talk about MLK Day. It is happening right now. So how do we talk about that? But first, Matt, can you share a little bit about yourself? Introduce yourself, share the work you do, and a little bit of who you are. Sure. What's going on, guys? Uh I'm Matt Gonzalez. I'm me. Uh, so certainly um, excited to be on and excited to be uh, here with you all. Um, I'm a pastor in the Bronx, New York. I, I, I'm pastor of two congregations. One is a Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church, where I've been for uh, coming up on 12 years. 
oh gosh, getting old. Uh, the other is um, uh, Our Savior Lutheran Church uh, and been serving there, entering into my third year here with them. And then um, I'm also um, the head of school for Our Savior Lutheran School in the Bronx, uh, which really means I get to be uh, the face of it and hang out with young people and share Jesus with them. And then, you know, the real hard workers in the room, like our executive director, director, uh, Deaconess Jeanine Bowling, uh, she does all the really hard work. So that's exciting and fun too. Uh, but yeah, uh, I have a, an incredible wife because I know you're saying, how do you do all those things? What you do is you marry up. That's really been my thing. And so I definitely outkicked, outkicked my coverage. Um, I still, will sit some days when I have a quiet moment and say to myself, I don't know why she married me, but I'm cool. I'm good with it. I, God bless her. Um, and then I have two really wonderful kids of my own, besides all of our students who are my de facto children for four years when they're in our school for five years. Um, but uh, two kids of my own, Phoebe and Aaron, who are amazing. And, uh, you know, as uh, they, they continue to help me grow as a human being every day. So, yeah, that's me. That's true. When you married your wife, I was thinking the same thing. Like, what is she thinking? Does she even know you? Yes. I mean, I knew you as the guy that lived across the hall at seminary. And man, you know, I, I, I was just surprised. So kudos to you. But thank you, her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's basically my life motto. Nice. Well, hey, man, can you just start us off with just sharing um, a little bit about uh, LRJ and what MLK means to you. Sure. Um, you know, yeah. So Lutheran for racial justice, Ted talked about exactly kind of what it is and, and what we do. Um, but it's really, you know, for us, it's a, it's an issue of our faith uh, to be really mm -hmm. intentional about seeking justice as a whole. Right. And that's what we're called to do. But then also, recognizing um, where as we seek justice and, and, and uh, you know, trusting God to guide us to that, um, where we see that different areas of life and racial justice, you know, um, it's been an issue my entire ministry, my entire life as, uh, you know, Puerto Rican, uh, as Latino male, as somebody who recognizes um, that that's something that, you know, um, is something that we as Christians need to be really aware of. And we need to be ones who are really seeking the way God talks about uh, his church uh, to reflect uh, that, namely that, you know, when we think about the vision of the church as, as it gets perfected in Revelation, God talks about it being every tongue, tribe, you know, people um, and nation. And so that's how we need to be really intentional with it. At the very same time, um, you know, we recognize that uh, as we do that, that that becomes something that we need to be really serious about here. Um, you know, mm. and when I think about Reverend Dr. King, there's so many things. I mean, I could just, you know, talk about all the different things that, that uh, you know, so many people know, but I think the more I've studied and the more I've learned, the more I recognize that there's so much that people don't know about how passionate he was, about how direct he was, about how honest he was about the issues. You know, one of the things that um, he talked about um, and, and I think that was inspirational to, to us. I mean, like I said, there's so many, but one of the things we talked about, you know, the church being the most segregated hour, uh, in, mm. in the country. And mm. that was during his time. And we look at it at our time and we still see a lot of those issues and see it as something that we need to be talking about, being honest about addressing, um, and being thoughtful about. And so, 
you know, I, I think about the way he was as a leader. I think about the way he was as a Christian. Um, you know, he recognized that we needed to be looking at, at uh, looking at humanity and one another um, in the way that scripture speaks, right? As, you know, who is my neighbor and how do I care for them? And it wasn't um, the way that we see all these different divisions in, in our country even now, um, but even divisions of race and the like. So, um, you know, I, I could just, I always encourage people when they think about Reverend Dr. King, you know, I always say, on this day especially, spend time watching a speech of his or reading something of his, you know, even if it's something short, like don't take it as, well, I got a day off, so I'm going to go and, and goof around. Like enjoy and appreciate the day off, but recognize that, you know, there's a reason that we have this day. It's supposed to do honor somebody who was about honoring the Lord, right? Like who was about yeah. uplifting Jesus yeah. and then living that out in a real way. So that's really what I, I encourage people to do. We actually, um, we encouraged our students to watch uh, the I Have a Dream speech because what we said to them is we, we're sure you heard of it and we're sure you heard three lines from it, but it's an 18 minute speech. And if you go and watch it, you realize how impactful it was at the time and how bold it was in the way he was saying it. So, hmm. yeah, means a that's lot, I guess. <laughs> yes, that's that's amazing. And, and I am really excited for this conversation too, because I feel like with everything going on, um, especially with 2020 and, and, and everything coming to the surface and a lot of these conversations that are happening, I think when we reference back to Martin Luther King, there's a lot of truth in what he says. And, um, you know, when I was a communication major, we had to listen to a lot of his speeches and, and analyze them. And there was a lot I didn't know that he was for and he stood for and things that he said. Um, that you don't always hear about. And so that's that's amazing advice. Really, really good advice for today. Um, I have a question for you I wanted to start off with. Um, just to kind of dive into things, um, just to start here, I know we're going to dive in a little bit deeper, but what does, from what you know with studying this and, and talking about this, what do you know about what scripture teaches about equity and racial equity to be specific? Sure. Um, you know, it's funny. We think about scripture teaching a lot of different things. And um, I think sometimes we seek specificity in terms of like a, a topic, not recognizing that the word is really clear on so many different things. And when we recognize how they're applied on specific topics, they fit in a number of ways. So when I think about racial equity um, and racial healing and, and racial justice as a whole, I always say, I think the first thing we have to do really intentionally is go to like go to scripture in the way it talks about how we're to care for one another um and 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 to understand one another so one of my favorite places to go mm -hmm. in scripture is philippians 2 um because you know when we talk about philippians 2 like as a, as a passage and we think about the way that that paul is talking there you know he talks about um you know do not like do nothing from um from rivalry, do nothing from conceit, from jealousy, but instead, um, you know, do everything in humility and then consider the interests of others greater than yourself, right? And so I always say like, that's a really, really important uh, piece of scripture to kind of help us understand how we should be doing a topic like racial equity, right? Because it's really easy for someone to say, oh, well, that's never affected me. That's never bothered me. That's never been an issue for me or these kinds of things. But when you say, wait a second, 
But then I'm looking to my own interests. I'm looking to my own experiences. I'm looking to my own understandings. But what about when I'm what I'm hearing, right? Like when this came up in 2020 and was, you know, obviously, you know, at the time considered really controversial, which, by the way, was funny to me because I was like, this has been an issue for a long time. Why is this controversial yeah. now? You know, yeah. but yeah. it was the kind of thing where as it became more and more controversial and I have thoughts on kind of the why behind that. I think there was a lot of political tilt in that, too. Um, uh, but, you know, when you think about that, as Christians, we're supposed to take a step back and say, if this is still something that that is affecting, let's just say our neighbor, right? Forget about being direct and saying our brothers and sisters in Christ, but let's just say our neighbor. If there's something that's affecting our neighbor, why are we not listening? Why are we not learning? Why are we not interested? Why are we not uh, intentionally focused on saying, what don't I know and how can I grow, right? We're not doing that. And I think when you look through scripture, there are countless examples, you know, just thinking about in the gospels, countless examples where Jesus is really intentional, even if, you know, like people say, well, what if I don't agree, right? So, which I don't know how you don't agree with, uh, you know, caring for your neighbor and wanting to not let race yeah. be a divisional line for you. But anyway, even if you don't agree, right? How do you look at the way Jesus did things with people that, you know, let's say the historically the people of Israel didn't agree with, right? Okay, well, Jesus sits with Samaritans at different times, even tells a parable about a Samaritan who was good, you know, and, and is intentional in the way that he speaks about them. When other people might have said, oh, that's not my neighbor, that's not a part of our tribe or whatever the case may be, right? Then you look at, you know, and I hate to make this comparison because it's so not comparable, but even when you say like, oh, tax collectors and sinners and all these people that were considered outside of the faith, Gentiles, whatever the case may be, Jesus was like, no, this is who I'm for. Now you take that and then you bring it to this issue where it's like, that's not comparable because these are our brothers and sisters. These are not neighbors who are outside of this. These are not people who we can say there should be a divide between us. Instead, it's no, these are people that we're supposed to be uplifting, caring for, bearing their burdens, right? Like that's the way scripture talks about it with our brothers and sisters. And instead we're acting yeah. like they're not our burdens. And yeah. that to me is a huge issue. And it's where, you know, like you talk about, well, how does scripture talk about this? That's where I say it's all over the place. And we're just, we're quick to be like, mm, I don't know if that means that. And I'm like, well, maybe we should be honest about what's in the text, you know? And so yep. I, I think that's really a way to talk about it. Mm. Sorry, I'll go all day. No, 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 this is good. That's great. Uh, <laughs> And I'm going to have to take the conversation to the next place, and we, we need to go there because it's the, the hot topic that, that continues to come up in our cultural, political conversations, right? I agree with everything you said. I love, I love the day, having uh, this particular day to be able to pause, reflect, um, and, and just realize like how much improvement has happened because of Martin Luther King's work, right, and, and what he has done. And he means so much uh, towards the progress, towards racial equality. Um, but, you know, a lot of things have happened. And I'm not surprised that these things have happened, but they've escalated quite a bit. And one of the big topics that's been happening in our cultural and political landscape is talking about critical race theory. All right. Um, so the teaching of critical race theory and the perspective on the racial injustice that happens there. How are we supposed to view that? Um today with all of this happening uh, what what are some of your thoughts and perspectives on that um i mean i, I struggle with that and uh but i, I want to let you speak first and then kind of press into that subject if we can sure so 
yeah, I think it's interesting the way people talk about the subject. Um, so I, I'll start with a caveat and then I'll dive in a little bit more. So my caveat is that I always say that as Christians, we have to be really intentional to say our foundation and every place we come from and everything that kind of um, informs how we speak is scriptural, right? And scripture interprets scripture. So we have to get really invested in the word as how that's the center point and centerpiece of any conversation we have, including this. And that's, I think, is a really important piece of this. saying that once you know that and once you're convicted in that, comfortable in that, right? Like as we as Christians are, then having these conversations, and this is how I feel about a lot of things, So, but I'm going to apply it to critical race theory. Yep. Having these conversations is not only for me not problematic, but I think really healthy because we have to be yep. able to look at any theory any any thought process anything that is to challenge us or shape our worldview or anything like that and say okay where do i see something that's helpful where do i see something that's detrimental where do i see things that are in the middle that we need to be really thoughtful about and say well how would how does god teach us to approach this like that has to be the approach first and foremost and i think when you look at critical race theory in in, in more specificity what you realize is that from a historical perspective it was really a response to the injustices in the legal system in the United States. And there was like real intentionality in the way that it was formed. Um, somebody who does a great amount of research on this and has a ton of really, really informative stuff is, uh, and, and we actually highlighted some of his stuff um, on our website and in our resources and, and uh, on our social media is a, a guy named Bradley Mason. Um, he's a reformed, um, you know, he says reformed layperson. His website is called also a carpenter. So he's a carpenter, but he does nice. a ton of research. Yeah. He does a ton of research in this field and talks about, um, critical race theory, like from the perspective of what it's initial per initial purpose was, how it's been misconstrued, misunderstood, how it's been twisted to say what we're trying to uh, kind of make it say, or not say to utilize towards whatever your you know however you'd want to twist it to inform your echo chamber i guess you could say sure um but i think ultimately when you look at it uh like anything we have to be really first of all uh approach from a place of humility meaning when you're going to read about it act like you know nothing and and mm. i mean that in, in all seriousness like act like whatever you've heard about it whatever has tried to color the information that you're kind of uh, um, you know, uh, going to be stepping in with, throw that all away and say, okay, if I were reading about this for the first time, what, what is it? What's it about? What do I have to know? What do I have to learn? How much historical context do I not understand so that when I'm reading about this, I don't even know where it fits, right? Because I think what most people do is not that, right? We see it on, we see it online, social media, we watch one, whatever your major mass media network is, and all of a sudden it's like, see, that's what I thought it was. This is the way I'm going to approach it. This is where I'm going to yeah. talk about it. And if I'm misinformed, I'm going to act like I'm super informed. So I won't even be able to step down from whatever my platform or perspective or whatever the case has to be. And, and I think the problem is not only is that happening with something like critical race theory, that's happening, especially with the topic of racial justice and specifically in the political sphere, which is a whole different conversation that I'm willing to dive into. So question for you, Matt. So with critical race theory, do you believe that this that applying the this critical race theory to racial injustice is an accurate way to um, find problems and solutions to racial injustice? So yeah, so I think that with critical race theory, I think there are areas of it that are helpful for informing how we can do some of that. I think 
that the way, if you look at the way it was put together as a response to um, injustices in the legal system, you can see, and it helps to inform how there are those injustices and we need to be thoughtful about them and we need to approach them and we need to address them. Um, I don't think, you know, I think it's best spoken of as a theory because it, you know, from an idealistic standpoint, um, there's there are things in it that are broken. There are things in it that are not helpful. There are things in it that, as Christians, we would say, yeah, that's not the approach I want to take. Um, at the very same time, I think if we just take it as a whole and say throw it away, what it really means is we don't care to learn. Hmm, and to me, yeah. that's kind of my bigger issue. Is it's hey, I'm willing to throw this entire theory away because there's something about it that's not helpful. And I guess my biggest problem with that is we don't do that with other things, right? With other things, we'll say, how does this inform what I do? How can I utilize the good things from it? I mean, think about how we do that in ministry, right? Or in, or in everyday life, in the life of our churches, in the life of our families, right? If you see somebody, I, you know, I go to something like, um, you know, like how we care about our friends. Let's do that, right? If you see somebody where they cared about a friend in a way that, started off positive and was helpful and then it kind of took a left turn and wasn't necessarily helpful you're not going to say hey you're a horrible person and everything you did was wrong you're going to identify the things that were wrong you're going to call them out you're going to help them see where those things were wrong but then you might also identify the things that were helpful and encourage them to do those more right like we do that with each other all the time something like this we take critical race theory and it's like oh i'm going to take this entire thing and say Oh, it's a, and this is what we do with it, right? It's a racist theory that specifically targets white people. So we're going to throw it away. And it's like, well, that's actually not what it does. And actually, if you read about it, you can take a step back and say, oh, I've never thought about how there are injustices in the legal system. Oh, I never thought about how that might not be helpful the way we've been forming this and shaping this and doing this. And maybe we need to take a step back and rethink this whole thing. Now, does that mean by applying critical race theory, that's the solution? As a Christian, I'd say no. Right. Like my first yeah. thing would be, how are we applying the script, the, 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 the principles of scripture? How are we applying the way God calls us to live? How are we applying the way we think about loving our neighbor, caring for our neighbor, informing our neighbor, speaking the truth in love, like all these things that are in scripture. And then when I look at critical race theory, where do I see things that are doing that? Right. Like if I look at the theory as a whole, where do I look at it and say, oh, that scriptural principle fits what's being said here? Here's a good thing to highlight versus, you know what, this thing actually may have some um, additional, you know, misunderstanding about like oppressor and oppression and these kinds of things. And I think what bothers me is that kind of language. We'll get all up in arms in it with something like critical race theory. But then like that's language that's used in scripture. Right. Think about the Exodus. Like there's a clear oppressor and clear people who are being oppressed. But we're not going to like bother be bothered by that because it's like, well that makes sense. That was a long time ago. And it's like, okay, but let's be honest about what we're seeing now and then be thoughtful about it too. Hmm. I, I think that answered your question. I hope it did. No. Yeah, that was great. And yep, exactly. I wanted to see, you know, your thoughts on applying it to, to today. And it sounded like from what I heard that I heard both some, that you can look into it and see good things and also bad things. And we need to be able to have wisdom to sift through those things. Um, so thank you for answering that. That was really great. Yeah. And Katie, it's funny because, sorry, I was just going to say, because we're on, like, obviously today is uh, the day where we remember, you know, Reverend Dr. Martin, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You know, um, I, I recently saw a thread from Bradley Mason. I'm going to bring all the things together in about three seconds here. Uh, I recently saw a thread from Bradley Mason about Dr. King 
um, where he talked about, and I know this is the other hot button thing when uh, racial justice comes up, where he talked about Marxism in a similar way, where he, where he talks about, uh, you know, Reverend Dr. King talks about his reading of and his study of Marxism and talks about how there are really, really detrimental things that are awful about it. And he calls them out by name. Uh, Bradley Mason did like a tweet thread on it. I thought it was really well done. And then he also talks about things in it where he's like, and there are things that are actually fitting with the way we talk about like justice from a scriptural perspective. And we need to be thoughtful about that. But he says like, so that doesn't mean Marxism is great. What it means is before we just throw away principles as a whole, we need to see where people are coming from so that we can meet them there and then engage them and say, here's what's good. Here's what's not. Let's be thoughtful. You know what I mean? And be intentional with how we approach it moving forward so we can actually get rid of the bad things. Yeah. And then don't fall into those traps, right? Don't say, oh, so you agree with Marxism. No, no, I don't. Let me just say that. I want to say it to you all, and I want to say it to anybody <laughs> listening. No, okay? Yeah. I don't, so, right? Matt, having been on the end of seeing you personally accused of Marxism several times. That's um, why I said it. Thanks, Ted. And uh, <laughs> getting ready to Hot fire topic. off my own, my own tweet storms about that. Um I mean, how do you navigate it personally? Because we've just talked a ton about the topic. But here you are. You've stepped in and said, hey, this is – the Lord's called me here. I'm diving in. What are frustrations I'm going deep. and what are yeah, – in over the – Sorry, end. I was um, – yeah, Stephen Chris Chapman anyway. No, Stephen Chris Chapman, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Um, but what have been the frustrations and joys of like being like, hey, the Lord's called me to this place. So – I mean, what is that? What is that like for you personally? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. You know, I've had to really like take steps back and think this through. Um, it's funny. And I'm going <laughs> to, my wife would say that there's a little bit of that. I, I probably need to see someone to study my brain uh, on this because I really like, I don't get bothered by, well, let me not say that. I don't personally get bothered to a place of exhaustion or frustration. Like I can't keep doing this kind of thing when people either downplay it or attack the conversation or are so against it or these kinds of things, that kind of thing is very motivating to me because what it reminds me is there's still work to be done. Right. Um, And I'm very encouraged by how positive a lot of the conversation has been. So I'd say like for every really, really intense negative interaction we have, you know, since like starting LRJ and and having these conversations in a more, um, I guess, vocal public way. um, I've had many more, you know, a significant uh, uh, amount more positive conversations, positive interactions, people saying, thank you. I'm glad the church has a voice in this, or thank you. I'm glad, you know, our church body has a voice in this, or thank you for being honest about it. I'm glad people are saying it. I wish more people say it, this kind of thing. So that's been really encouraging. The other thing I think, and, and I think this is where I'm really blessed. Um, God has really equipped me and, and kind of placed me in a good good place to be a voice on this, is that the ministry that, you know, like we do in the Bronx is very much, we get to witness what it looks like when you're intentional with something like this, right? And so, you know, for, for example, at our school, like our school is 99% students of color. Um, and it's very much made up by, you know, people in our area, people in our neighborhoods, people that we care for. And, um, you know, we have church families from that. And, and, and we actually do, you know, a worship service in our school as a part of our like schedule once a week so that the kids are 
getting to hear Jesus and getting to engage in, yep. in their faith and having those conversations. And at the same time, the way we've shaped our school's ministry is we really understand the people we're serving and the, and the difficulties that come with living in an urban center and recognize that you have people who are dealing with, um, you know, whether it's income issues or, or whatever the case may be. And some of it comes from historical injustice, right? So their hmm. families didn't, weren't able to build up generational wealth. And so now they're trying to figure out how do we keep doing this? And they're trying to put their kids in a place where their kids can start it, right? Let me put them in a private Christian school where they're going to get an education, where it's going to be a little bit more intentional with the way they're being cared for versus, you know, an overcrowded public school, which New York City schools are notoriously overcrowded, not and, you know, and they, they may only be teaching to the test and these kinds of things. That's why there was a huge charter school movement, because that recognition. So parents are trying to be intentional and thoughtful, but they're also saying, well, I'm working two jobs. And so if I were going to pay full tuition, I couldn't do it. And so we're saying, OK, we're going to reshape everything. We're going to go chase scholarships. We're going to reformat our budget. We're going to tell churches and people who are saying, well, I don't know where I'd go to help. Hey, we have a place for you. Donate to our scholarship fund so you can put these students through school and help them get started to wherever they go. And then on the other end in the school, we're saying, hey, kids, college is great. And if you have a vision and a pathway for success where you're going to go with your education, go for it. If you don't, Maybe you need to consider a trade or something else that gives you a pathway to success so you can start building wealth, so you can start being thoughtful. Because the reality is they, for whatever reason, and, and I would say this, in education, we've gotten so big on like go to college that we're not being thoughtful about how we care about people, right? And so for me, that becomes a racial justice issue because in the communities of color, that's been even less focused on, right? There's almost been like this trick like, hey, can you just get to college and then you've made it? And it's like, no, don't let people lie to you. Maybe that's not your thing, right? We need you to find yeah. a thing that you're going to be able to come back and help your family and care for people that you care about and all this stuff. And what are the pathways you use it? You know, and another thing we do, we have a really high powered athletics program, especially basketball. And so we utilize that to get them pathways for success in an institution where now your parents don't have to pay for college. You know what I mean? But it means everybody pouring in, everybody bringing resources together. And so you have to be thoughtful in that way from a faith perspective, right? Because then you can be encouraged by the work you're seeing other people do. And then you have mm -hmm. to recognize, and this is what I always tell people, when you're getting discouraged, be honest about the fact that Satan is always going to be prowling. So the yep. reality is, if you're discouraged, he's trying to take away this good work, you know? And so yeah. for me, that's really exciting and people, but I also say, mm -hmm. I know that that's, like I'm one person and one personality because I've also had people who are in it and they're like, when I get discouraged, it's so defeating, you know, cause it's like, how much more can I do this? How many more times can I have this conversation? How many more times am I going to see people just throwing this away? Like it's not a big deal, you know? So. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most frustrating things for me is when people are having conversations about all things about um, racial injustice and equality, where they have their opinions one way or the other, um, I think what makes me really frustrated is when the people have their opinions and are not living it out, right? They, they don't see these things happen. They're not in the neighborhoods. They're not in the schools with the families. Um, they're, they're not seeing the, the parents struggle trying to keep two to three jobs just to get food on the table to make this all happen. And, and yet we all feel like we are experts at this. 
Um, and we know how this all works just because if we are watching CNN or Fox News or whatever, where we consume our information from, um, it's really frustrating. And so when I hear you talk about this, um, I love it because you're living it out, right? And I always, when I talk to people about this and this, this subject is like, man, if you don't have a friend of color, like, and you're hanging out with them on a regular basis and asking them these questions where you're building trust, like that you should be convicted, right? Because there, there's so much going on that you may not see and you're forming these opinions and uh, yeah, that may not sit well with you, but man, just the way that you and your family are doing this. And I know, especially a high caliber person like you, you could probably go anywhere, be any place, but you choose to serve your neighborhood and you love your neighborhood well. And, and I know how much work you put into it. So kudos to you, man. I appreciate that. And that gets me fired up. So love it. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. Let me say two things. One, God is good. And, you know, I never want to take credit. Like I'm doing some special um, in the sense that, you know, God has equipped me with a passion for it. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, the other thing I'll say, and it's something funny you said, you know, you talk about really being intentional about um, being engaged in communities of color. And I know that for some people, for whatever reason, whether it's access, whether it's upbringing, whether it's whatever the case may be, they are not sure how to go about that or how to do it or how to, you know, have, you know, and then sometimes they're like, well, I have this one friend and it's like, nope, that's not good nope. either. Right. Nope. And so I think the thing is, it's twofold. One when people are saying, how do I go about this work, right? My first thing to always, and, and I go back to something I said before, act like you know nothing, right? Like start start from a place of, hey, I need to start reading books and I need to start getting engaged in, in, in thoughtful um, study. You know, uh, I need to make sure I'm studying scripture, right? I need to keep grounded in God's word. Um, and I need to be part of a faith community. I'm always like, if you're not going to church somewhere, that's a problem. And if you're not identifying issues, maybe within your congregation, as a place to start, that's a problem, right? Because the one place, the safest place we should be able to have these conversations is in our churches, in our communities of faith, right? And we should be able to go in there and say, all right, I know Jesus is the centerpiece of this. I know the foundation is, is, is firm, right? Because it's not me and it's not my brokenness. It's the resurrection and the redemption that we have in him. And because I know that, now I can go to a congregation and say, hey, are we talking about this? How are we addressing it? How are we helping? How are we serving? How are we caring for our neighbor? Is there a church nearby that we could be engaging in different conversations? Or if there's not, let's, because I know, let's be real. There are places where communities are predominantly, you know, let's say white, just generally, right? Okay. So if that's the conversation, yeah. how far away are we, like, whether it's geographically, right, from somebody that we can engage in a conversation like this, or if not, where can we go to engage it right because the pandemic taught us a lot about something like this we're in all different places and yet we're able to have these conversations so maybe we need to be engaging in different ways across the church so that then when we think about um how we can engage our neighbor and our local community you know, and, and and people who need to be having these conversations that we witness or want to witness to we have a safe space to first start those conversations and that means that as christians we can't be hypocrites the way we like to be because that's just real, right? Instead, we have to be intentional to say, all right, I got to be humble about this. I got to listen. I got to say, hey, even if I don't agree for whatever reason, how do I find a place where we do agree, right? Because the one thing we know is we have Jesus. So we have a point of agreement. You can't sit here and say, oh, we don't agree on anything. That's a lie. That's a satanic lie, okay? We have foundation in his word and who God is and who he calls us to be. And so we have a, a starting place. And if we can start there, 
then we can engage the conversation. So, you know, Matt, I think with that, that's a really good foundational place for us to end this episode. That really brings it together to say, hey, we need we need to have these conversations. And as folks of faith, wherever we fall on the spectrum, if we can come back to the focal point and start there and grow together. And I loved what you said about the hypocrisy of how often we really want to let it be someone else's problem and not look at our own issues and to say, hey, that's one of the that's one of the big things for us as the church is to say, let's admit we've got sin. Let's start there because when we can admit that fact, when we can step back and say, hey, I I struggle with this, the enemy's going to work any kind of division he can. So it shouldn't surprise us that racial division would be one of those divisions. So if we can start there and as the church starts stepping into places to say, let's have conversations where Jesus starts us off, not media, not you know um, anything else outside coming in, but to say, and I love where you started us towards the beginning of saying, look at how Jesus treated people that were different than him. And if we can start with those conversations, I really think, you know, that's that's such a big deal. And I, I noticed um, I, I didn't get to go to to it because um, I didn't know you had to sign up beforehand. But LRJ put on a great couple of lunches at our church body's big uh, youth gathering event this summer. Um, and just to have those conversations and start those conversations. And what a huge blessing. So, Matt, thanks for joining us today um, and encouraging us, challenging us, and answering some some questions that you did not shy away from. So thank you for, for jumping yeah, way in to bring it. on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so this yeah. brings us to the end of another episode of Everyday Elephants. You can find out more about the work Matt is doing with Lutherans for Racial Justice at www.lutheransforracialjustice.com. Um, we would love to have you subscribe to our show, leave a rating and a review, uh, follow us on Facebook and YouTube. And I have a feeling with the discussion on this, Matt, I'd, I think we need to have you back a couple more times to just dive deep again. So uh, thanks for joining us and, and thanks for being a part of it. If you'd ever be interested, listeners out there, in being a sponsor of this podcast or have a topic you want us to discuss, shoot us an email, everydayelephantspod at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock.